0: Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams.
1: Welcome again, folks, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're tuned in here to uh, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. And we're always so pleased when you join us. Uh, So's Pete Paquette. He's our engineer. Andrew Herdliske, the producer. Steve Johnson, the guest. He's in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. Executive director, co-founder of Five Stone Media. We're going to talk about his book. God is always with you, 31 Days of Hope and Healing for Grief and Loss. Steve, uh, welcome to Orlando. How are you?
2: Thank you very much, Pat. It's really an honor to be uh, your guest this morning.
1: Well, Steve, tell me why this book uh, was important to write.
2: Well, um, can I back up just a little bit and and show you how we got to the book?
1: Oh, please. Um,
2: So— Yep. So Five Stone Media, uh, we have four words that we, um, we operate our mission by and that's story, hope, healing and change. So we collect stories and it started out by collecting stories of, uh, transformation in the incarceration field that we put together kind of a video series, uh, that we take into, we started taking into prisons and jails not only here, but in other places across the country. And it was based on a a gentleman whose name was John Turnipseed, who was a former gang leader and drug dealer and pimp, who became a minister and uh, a leader of a fathering center here in the Minneapolis area. So he kind of hosted the series. uh, And then we got uh, Ray Charles' daughter involved in that, who had an incarceration background. All stories of, of Christian transformation and hope and we found that the idea of um, sharing shared experiences really resonates with the viewers because they see themselves in that story. So we had, about four years ago, Pat, we had a team of um, therapists that came to us at Five Stone Media and said, could you create something like this in the area of trauma? And I, we, I, we said we could, and they said, well, we'll bring survivor stories to you. And so we started um, what's called Life Support Resources. So there's a website, which we can get into later, but we just started collecting stories of trauma healing, and out of that came a mental health series that we um, have just rolled out called Caring for Mental Health, which which is to uh, be um, the body of Christ in, in helping to teach each other how to come alongside those who are suffering. And so out of all that, we had a book publisher approach us and said, look, if you've got 150 stories in your collection right now, could you put together a devotional that could help people? And that's what this came out of. And so it's called, I was with you 31 days of hope and healing for grief and loss. And, um, you know, it's not just when we think of loss, I think we oftentimes just you know, assume it's a loss of a spouse or a loved one, but this covers areas like a loss of innocence, a loss of expectations, uh, maybe mental health. So that's just, that's the very short version of how we got to this point.
1: Well, <clears throat> let's dive in. Uh, section yeah. one, and there are eight sections. Section one is called Loss of a Spouse, No Fairy Tale Ending. Why, God? From Loss to Hope, Losing a Wife? Uh, fill us in. Mm hmm
2: well you know we there there is a myth that floats around um our our christian culture the idea that just because we are a christian we avoid suffering or because uh, we don't pray hard enough we we hear that from a lot of the stories that we collect um people just you, you got to have more faith you've got to pray harder well that's that's not necessarily the case um Grief is associated with isolation, and it is natural for us to question God. And we just tell people it's okay to not be okay. Um, and so the loss of a spouse. So we have, we've got, um, it's stories of of not just a, a spouse, Pat, who may have died, uh, from an illness, but it's, we have a lady who was on a church staff whose husband was uh, a, a sheriff in one of our surrounding counties, and he suffered from PTSD, and he took his own life. So we have not only, you know, a, a loss of a spouse to, to illness, but, but we have, you know, horrendous stories, too. But it's, it's these people sharing the hope that they have found in that loss. doesn't make it any easier but somehow they have found a hope through that process.
1: Then we get to section two, loss of a marriage, God's steadfast love abused. (laughs) Tell tell us about this one, Steve.
2: Well, uh, you know, we don't have to, um, we don't have to share statistics with people because we all know what those statistics are and how marriages end. But oftentimes uh, a spouse will sit in silence because they feel that there is nobody to talk to. So we we talk to women. We have women share their stories, Pat, who uh, have been abused, not only physically, but emotionally, uh, verbally, and these are people that are, are in their church. They, they could be volunteers in their church, and so, you know, we put on this faith, and, and and we don't know who to talk to when we're going through something like that. So these are people who um, have, uh, again, have been through that loss that are willing to be vulnerable and share their story with us. We have one lady who was um, she was high up the corporate ladder at a Fortune 500 company, and she had been married four times, and she just kept going, getting into these abusive relationships, and finally she broke that cycle. And she shares that story. And because of that, she became a mental health professional. So now she takes that grief and loss that she had, and now she's a- able to share that with
1: others. Steve Johnson is with us, uh, talking about his book, God is Always With You. <coughs> Section three, loss of a young child. Tell me more about this. Yeah,
2: yeah, and, you know, um, that obviously is a tough one. Um, because we, We've got people that have, uh, we, we've we got a, one of our former board members at Five Stone Media. Uh, his son was in daycare. His baby was in daycare, and he was killed, the baby was, by the daycare worker by neglect. And so he's sharing that story. Uh, we have a lady who has written some of our curriculums whose... Young child of about a year old was left with a babysitter and happened to fall into a sand pile and inhaled the sand and died. you know so uh, you know so thirty years later, she's still talking about the grief that she suffers from that experience, but again, She's been able to help so many people by sharing her story. Her name is Stephanie, and and her husband, Scott, (laughs) is one of my founding partners with Five Stone Media, too. So the loss of a young child, and it also, you know, it could be an unborn child, Pat, so, um, you know, it could be a pregnancy loss. We have a, a, you know, it's kind of the forgotten trauma. You know, we just, you know, we hear a lot about that, and and we just, oh, I'm sorry, and, and then we move on. But that's a grieving process that those parents have to go
1: through as well. So now we've moved to uh, (laughs) the fourth area, loss of an adult child, the loss that never stops. Uh, Fill me in.
2: Yeah, and I'm going to start, you know, as as we were um, building all of this, uh, my family was was affected by this as well. So my brother is a pastor of a church here in the Minneapolis area, but uh, seven or eight years ago he was the pastor of a large church in Vancouver, British Columbia, and his 21-year-old son was a victim of a homicide. And so I have watched over the last seven or eight years the trauma that 's associated with that, so it 's not just uh losing that adult child, but it 's the siblings are affected by that. This is a murdered child, so the siblings you know uh, have have suffered deep trauma through that i've 've watched the extended family um, be affected by that and um you know, we, we have a lot of parents in the book. I think that's probably the biggest section is we have parents talking about the loss of, um, a child to addiction or overdose or suicide. And, you know, Pat, you, you know, that's happening more and more in this culture. And, you know, one of our couples, uh, read a suicide note by, um, by their son. And said, You know the world will be better off without me. I love you, but I can't be here anymore. love Pete and that was the last time they saw him. So we have those kinds of stories and how do you how do you walk through that? Um, how do we walk through that with people? So part of this book is our team of mental health professionals, and we have a pastoral staff as well offers commentary so so each section is uh, the story followed by a commentary from a therapist and or a pastor with a prayer and some helpful
1: Bible verses. Steve Johnson is our guest. Uh, He's in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. Uh, The book, God is Always With You, 31 Days of Hope and Healing for Grief and Loss. Uh, Is uh, the 31 days significant, Steve? What's, uh, what's What's the deal on 31 days?
2: Well, we could have made it. <laughs> we've got 150 stories that we've collected, so we could have made it uh, a lot longer. But our publisher approached us and, and said, "This is kind of uh, where people are comfortable with when they buy a devotional is 31 days. 31 days just seems to resonate." So I don't know if there's any particular meaning to that, but but we're starting out with with small chunks here, and then. Hopefully, at some point, we can have another 31 days of hope and healing for grief and loss. And maybe that's our next uh, devotional that's coming
1: out. Uh, Section 5 is called Loss of Expectations. The Mm -hmm. destination overcomes the journey. uh, Adopting mental illness from dream to nightmare. Tell us more.
2: Yeah. Have you ever, uh, Pat, I'll ask you, have you ever had a loss of an expectation?
1: Oh, I think we all have, haven't we?
2: I would yeah, say yes. We have.
1: Sure. Yeah, and and that's something we can grieve.
2: Um, you know, my uh, my background was live sports producing. Um, that's where, you know, I'm, I've, I was a media professional my entire career until we started forming Five Stone Media. And, you know, in, in my world, I would have loved to have – in places that I saw others that I thought I was equally as talented as, that, that rose the ladder for whatever reason, you know, I was not a part of that. And so I had an expectation for me that, you know, I would love to, uh, produce a Super Bowl telecast someday. Well, that never happened. Um, so, so we all have that expectation and, and, you know, we don't know what to do with that. And so oftentimes we, may take that out in our family we may internalize it and just keep that inside uh but it's it's okay to grieve that too because that is a loss in our life and and i think that you know that can fall into a a mental health category too so um you know it's it's not healthy to internalize to just keep things inside so again let's we have some stories of, of people that that um you know, thought they would be in places that they're not. And, and, uh, and they can, they can help us with those
1: stories as well. Steve Johnson is our guest. <clears throat> He's in um, the Minneapolis, St. Paul area. We're talking about his book. God is always with you. <clears throat> and, uh, <clears throat> speaking of books, our latest book is out. It's called every day is game day. It's a, uh, 365-day uh, devotional with a sports theme for every story, uh, every day. A story, sports, devotional material, I think you'll like it. So when you go up to Amazon <coughs> to order <coughs> God is Always With You, <coughs> excuse me, make sure you get a copy of uh, Every Day is Game Day. Uh, You're listening to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. We're always so pleased when you join us. We've got another segment with Steve Johnson. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about the loss of innocence. And then we get to the loss of physical health. And uh, we're going to talk about the loss of mental health. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now,
1: here's Pat. Steve Johnson is our guest. Uh, We're talking about his book, God is Always With You, 31 Days of Hope and Healing for Grief and Loss. Steve, as I mentioned before the break, uh, section six: Loss of Innocence. Uh, can you expand on that?
2: Healing, uh, learning how God is present even in that. Learning new ways to walk through that pain. Um, you know, one of the, one of the stories is a lady named Jenny who, you know, grew up in a Christian home, and she met the wrong people, and she ended up uh, as a prostitute all over the Midwest, and she, um, she was at home one night, and her son came over and, and, and looked at her in the mirror and just said, Mom, you are still so beautiful, and that just crushed her, and that changed her life, and, 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 and now she's, you know, she's on that transformative road of hope. And so we have, we have stories like that, which, you know, Pat, when I, when I sit and listen to these stories, I've had the honor and the privilege of being able to sit on the other side of these people telling us the stories. Oftentimes we have, we have cameras rolling because we are a video company as well. And just to hear that and, and, and these, you know, my, my career, I was around athletes like you were, but now I get to be around people who have found hope in their loss. And I, this is, just so inspiring, these stories for us to be a part of and in such a joy.
1: It's time, Steve, to move on to uh, Section 7. Loss of physical health. Uh, what are you writing there? What's what's up?
2: We have, uh, the big story there is a lady named Sandy who, um, who lost She became a quadriplegic in a car accident, and at the age of, I think she was 19, was out driving a car, was in a horrific accident, hit a patch of ice here in the Minnesota area, which is easy to do, and went head-on into a tractor-trailer, and she lived. Um, She was in the hospital for months, but she ended up being paralyzed from the neck down and now, you know, obviously she um, is confined to a wheelchair. And when you hear her talk, um, talking is difficult for her. But the smile and the joy that she has found in just being alive and being able to share her story and now to be able to tell that story to others who might be going through that loss of physical health, too, and give them hope. Uh, is where she finds her joy, so uh, it's not just uh, somebody like Sandy, but it could be um, somebody who is an elderly person sitting in a nursing home thinking that nobody cares, so you know all of this we we hope are are inspiring stories
1: and now <clears throat> we get to uh section eight, loss of mental health, mad at God. Grief is not Mm -hmm. my identity, listening to our own lies, grieving for mental health. Uh, Tell us about this, Steve.
2: Well, and and mental health can be a wide spectrum of topics. It can be uh, anything from anger to uh, depression to anxiety. Those are actually the three big ones that our mental health professionals talk about now that, that so many people are affected by. One in five people in this country are affected by mental health of of some sort. And that's not just non-church people. That is across the board. And so it's in our everyday lives. It's people we know. It's family members. You know, half the people you meet probably have been affected by mental health. But uh, one of the stories that really offers hope for me, and I just saw her the other night, is a lady named Margaret, Who has just suffered, you know, God bless her. She just suffered from severe depression her entire life and she's, she's tried to take her life so many times Mm. and she just stays, she stays the course. She, she's involved in church and she just doesn't know if it's ever going to get any better. But by telling her story, it's helped other people. We get to sit and play that, her story for other people who are going through that. And, the, the biggest response we get is I thought I was the only one going through that, and they're
1: not. I guess the real question, Steve, uh, what do you want people to take from this book? Uh, what's it intended to uh, help people with, and what do you want them to take? Yeah. We want to uh, transform
2: sorrow into hope. We want people to know that it's okay to question God. He has big shoulders. He's our creator. Uh, he adores us. It's okay to have those questions. It's okay to not be okay. God is present even in grief, and we can discover new ways to walk through the pain, and there is hope, healing, and comfort in loss.
1: Steve, I want you to expand on that word hope. What does that word mean to you? Hmm. Man,
2: that is, you know, um, we talk to people. We talk, we're around people that have tried to take their life, um, and they do that because they have no hope. They have zero hope. And one thing we have found, even from going back to working in prisons and jails, If somebody has just a sliver of hope, then there's hope for getting them through that into living a joyful life. And, And you know, so man, hope is such a powerful word, and it's even hard to explain, right? All we need is a little bit of hope, and 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 we
1: can move on. You've got to have hope. That was from uh, that Broadway show, Damn Yankees. You've got That's to right. have hope. Mustn't sit around <laughs> That's and mope. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's the future of Five Stone Media, um, Steve? Sure.
2: Uh, we just um, resources dot org is where all of our trauma material is found, and we we made a decision this year that all of our video resources we just give them away because we don't ever want money to be standing in the way of any of this. So we just came out with a, a video series called Caring for Mental Health that we are, are offering up to churches and training facilitators. And then right now we are building a new uh, video series on the mental health aspect of addiction recovery called Exploring Your Recovery. So we're, we're piloting that right now. So we got lots of plans, small staff. God's got us here. We just keep staying the course.
1: How have people responded to your book, Steve?
2: It is, well, it's brand new. So um, the the feedback uh, we're getting is, I want more. I want to buy one. I bought one for me, but now I need to buy one for my friend because I know somebody who needs this. And so now we have people that are, are writing me, calling me, saying, Hey, can I get my hands on five copies? Because I know five people that need this.
1: My guest <clears throat> has been Steve Johnson. The book, God is Always With You. Just a reminder, folks, uh, we are uh, working, trying to bring Major League Baseball to Orlando. Orlando's ready to be a Major League Baseball city. And you can help. Go up to the website, Orlando Dreamers. OrlandoDreamers.com. And uh, let us hear from you. Uh, We want your thoughts. We want your uh, feelings, uh, your interest level. Uh, We need to hear from you. We're pushing on it. We can do it. Uh, OrlandoDreamers.com. We've got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word, in Orlando. We'll be right back.
0: More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat.
1: Uh, Steve Johnson, our
0: guest in that first
1: segment, talking about his book, God is Always With You. Uh, Steve, in the uh, Twin Cities area of uh, Minnesota, Uh, we go from... uh, the Twin Cities, to Nashville, Tennessee. Trevin Wax is there. Um, He's written a book, The Thrill of Orthodoxy, Rediscovering the Adventure of Christian Faith. Trevin, welcome to Orlando. I hope things are well with you.
3: Pat, thank you so much for having me. Glad to be with you
1: today. Explain what this book is about, and what does The Thrill of Orthodoxy mean?
3: Well, it's actually it's referring to the importance of Christian teaching, Christian beliefs and practice. and it is it's really about um, uh, the importance of us rediscovering the joy and the beauty of what it is that we confess, what it is we believe. And I hope that that people that pick it up will recognize that Christianity is beautiful and that it it um, connects us to uh uh to god it is it's it's truth about who he is and what he has done for us and i want people to recapture the beauty and the joy and the awe and wonder at the essential christian truths that that we that we believe
1: when you open up your book with a chapter called this i believe Uh, what are you writing there Trev? And how do you open your book
3: I want to start by by leading people to recognize that we are joined together to Christians all around the world by a common confession that we believe in Jesus Christ that we confess the same truths about Jesus Christ that people for 2000 years have confessed that they believe and that we are united across space and time with believers around the world today and all throughout history and so this focus on believing, on, on sort of putting the stake in the ground, you know, and saying, this is what it means to be a Christian. This is what is essential Christian doctrine and Christian teaching, and putting that there to say, we need to regain wonder at those at those truths. And so that, that, that first chapter sets the stage, reminds us, you know, it's, it's easy to lose our wonder. I think we get oh, so over-familiar with so many aspects of life, you know, just even the, the beauty in our own backyards so or the, 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 the beauty of the world around us. We can get so familiar with things that we can lose a sense of astonishment at creation. And what I'm hoping to do with that book is to say, you know, the same thing we we could lose that sense of astonishment at the beauty around us, it's, it's also easy to lose that sense of astonishment at the beauty of Christian truth. And we've got to recapture that. We've got; Otherwise, we'll be susceptible to all kinds of false teaching that could arise or that could lead us astray.
1: Let's go to part two, drifting from orthodoxy. Uh, how does that happen and what does it mean?
3: I think everyone's familiar with what drifting looks like. Um, if you've ever been out in the ocean, uh, you know what it's like when you suddenly look up and you you think, somebody moved all my stuff, you know, back on shore. And uh and then you realize, no, actually your stuff's all still right there. Just imperceptibly to you, you wound up being pulled by the currents while you were playing out in the waves or, you know, the ocean, and you look back and you realize you have to recenter yourself, realign yourself. Drifting doesn't take any effort. It it happens naturally. And so one of the things I'm I'm pointing out in this in this part of the book is to say uh, we need to be on guard. We actually have to be fighting against drift in order to not drift we 've got to be constantly recentering ourselves in alignment with god 's Word and what believers have confessed about Jesus through the ages and there are different ways that we can drift. Some people drift because you know their Christian life has become so routine it 's almost like they're they 're bored with the faith and they 're looking for something to spice things up you know some innovative teaching or practice that would would help them out. Other people drift because they 're only focused on what the Bible says to do. They're not really focused on what it is they believe. They would say, you know, it's all about uh, just just whatever, whatever's most practical in my life. Which, of course, the Bible has a lot to say about practice. But the, the Bible does focus attention very strongly also on what it is we we say we believe and uh, and and those those truths about about God. You know, another way we can drift is just being by by being unsettled with Christian teaching at some level. You know, just. Maybe still saying we believe this about Jesus, or we believe this about what the what Christianity or the Bible teaches, but we're just not very comfortable with it you know like it, it we, we wish it could be different it's almost like we're we're looking for excuses to not believe it and then and then I think other people can drift by being so focused on the good things that Christians can do that we actually move away from the one thing that matters most, which is the the heart being changed by Jesus Christ, seeing others come to faith in him so there are different ways that we drift and i my my point is to say we we've got to constantly realign ourselves with what the bible teaches if we're going to avoid that that natural drifting with the current
1: now tell us about uh, topic 3 rediscovering the adventure what does that mean
3: well i think we live in a day when everybody thinks the adventure of spirituality or religion is in crafting your own personal faith of some sort, you know, that you kind of cobble together whatever you like out of either other religions or other spiritualities or even just, you know, all sorts of different practices that are meant to make your life better. And I think we've got this idea that the excitement is really in, 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 in inventing something for yourself. You look at polls and surveys, it shows that a lot of Americans, that's how they see religion, you know? What I want to say in this, in this part of the book is to say, no, the real adventure is not that. The real adventure is actually discovering something that's there, something that you discover, you don't invent. Uh, it's something real, something enduring, something lasting. I compare it to um, you know, like the, the difference between uh, living in an air-conditioned home versus being out in the wild, being out in the weather. You, know, you, can, um, uh, you can try to find a religion that perfectly suits you. And your temperature, and kind of live in the, the comforts of your own home all the time, or you can actually go outside and deal with the weather that's there. And I think the adventure is more on being on the outside than being in the the, the perfectly tailored comforts of, of one's house. And I think that's what Christianity is all about. The excitement is in discovering that it's not a religion you made. It's a it's a it's a a, a truth that will actually remake you if you submit to it. If you discover it, it's, it's kind of like, you know, finding a map to to a a, a, a treasure or, um, uh, you know, learning a language, learning the rules of the grammar. It, you don't invent the language on your own so you can just speak to yourself. You actually have to submit to the rules of the grammar that is there so that you can actually express yourself in that language. And so I'm, I'm wanting to help people in this part of the book just push back against the notion that religion is always something personal and private something to invent and cobble together for yourself and to help people recognize that you know, the real adventure is the discovery of what the Bible teaches, of what the church has confessed, of how theologians and saints and scholars throughout history have, have, have uh, uh, plumbed the depths of this, of this beautiful faith that we have.
1: My guest, <clears throat> and he's in Nashville, Tennessee, Trevin Wax. And uh, we're talking about his book, The Thrill of Orthodoxy. Uh, Here's the next topic for you, Trevin. Why the details matter. What does that mean? Well, we live in a time when a lot of people don't have much patience
3: for the intricacies of Christian theology or doctrine. You know, I mean, we, we live in a time when people will say, you know, all that matters is that, you know, you love people, you live like Jesus. And, um, you know, you, you love Jesus and you, and you want to love your neighbor, you know, and just be about his mission or whatnot. And, you know, doctrinal details and exactly what you confess about Jesus, that's not really the important thing, is deeds, not creeds. And, you know, the Bible, the Bible has a lot to say about deeds, for sure. For sure. Um, but the Bible doesn't, doesn't have this, this category of divorcing deeds from creeds what you do from what you believe, they go together. And so in this part of the the book, I want to remind people that what it is that we say we believe, some of those details are really important. And you're going to wind up doing theology, whether you like it or not. You know, some people say, you know, I don't really need to bother with theology. I'm not a theologian. I'd say, well, you know, that's true. Not everyone's a professional theologian, but everybody is a theologian in some sense, because we all have a view of God. I think it was A. W. Tozer that said the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about God is it's one of the most important things about you. And so, what we say we believe really does matter. The details actually really do matter. Um, I mean, the, the details of a prescription for a pharmacy that matters. The details for a recipe if you're cooking a feast that matters. You know, details do matter. And so, someone that says, you know, I just want to, I just want to be on mission and 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 love people like Jesus. Well, you got to ask. Well, who is the Jesus that we're supposed to imitate? What does it mean to love people? What is the extent of the mission? You know, I'm just going to share the gospel. Good. What is the gospel? You know, all of those are questions theologically that that, that matter. There's content that has to fill those, those, those details. And so this is a, a book that pushes back against that impulse, I think, to just only focus on what's practical and to ignore the doctrinal and to say, no, the doctrines and the practices, the doctrines and the deeds, they go together and we got to keep them together if we're going to be faithful to Jesus.
1: Now let's move to uh the narrowness of heresy. Uh can you explain that, Trevin?
3: Yes, this is this is probably in my mind this is one of the ways we're kind of turning the tables on what often gets gets uh, marketed, you know, heresies are moving, you know, fundamental departures from the Christian faith. Uh, they always market themselves as broader than orthodoxy, broader than historic Christian teaching or biblical truth when in reality they're they're almost always narrowing. If you look back at the the great controversies over the person the identity of Jesus back from you know seventeen sixteen hundred years ago or so uh, the, the the heretics were the ones who were saying, well you know jesus he if, if we're going to say Jesus is God and man he he's we really can't say he's 100% God, he's 100% man. They had to go with one or the other. So there's one group of heretics that basically said God, you know, Jesus just appeared to be a man because he really was, was just divine. And then there's another group of heretics that said, no, you know, Jesus is actually uh, seems to be divine, and he is the most exalted creature, but he's not to be completely identified with God, you know. And then, in, in other words, they're, they're narrowing. They're narrowing. They're, they're, they're cutting off. Part of the truth, they're holding to to one aspect of the truth. Jesus is either God or man, rather than recognizing that it's a both and. And there are all sorts of other examples of that throughout church history, where uh, orthodoxy has this, this this beautiful paradox at the center of so many things that we believe, and heresies come along and want to want to want to cut off have of that. You know, there, there, some heretics would only see God as as near and close to us rather than distant and other and uh, far, while other heresies would only see God as far away, almost unknowable, completely mysterious, without recognizing that, that we can know Him, that the, the Bible teaches that we can know Him, that he is, He's actually near as well. Uh, we, we Christians believe that God is both completely other and also knowable and close, that He's both, we'd say, imminent and transcendent, you know, close and far, at the same time. So there are all sorts of these examples where when you actually look at what the Bible teaches, you're just wowed by the complexity and the beauty of orthodoxy in comparison to what actually is more narrow-minded heresies that want to, want to split, split one thing off from another.
1: My guest is uh, Trevin Wax. He has written the book, The Thrill of Orthodoxy. Rediscovering the Adventure of Christian Faith. Trevin, uh, we've got about a minute and a half before the break. Tell me about truth-taking on the world. That's your sixth topic.
3: Yes, this is uh, important for us to recognize because orthodoxy is on a mission. Christianity is all about a mission. It's all about, um, uh, at times, opposing the world for the good of the world. There are times when, as Christians, we have to stand against certain things in society. we just do. We don't do that though out of hatred or out of meanness or out of just a desire to be contrary, and we do that because of the very of the love that we have for our neighbors. Uh, and so you know there, there are people that say today that um, matter is all that there is. there's no spiritual there's no you know existence of anything other than just flesh and blood and matter. And to that we would say, you know, to that person who doesn't believe in God, we would have to stand against that belief. But we do so on the very basis of our love for that person to say, you have more dignity than you even realize as someone who's created in the image of God. So there are times when we have to stand against the world for the sake of the world. And that's really another part of the adventure of Christianity. You don't just affirm everything the world says and give it baptized language or sprinkle some spirituality on it. No, we, we stand against the world for the good of the world, and sometimes even the truth of Christianity stands against the church for the good of the church. There are times when we have to go back to the Bible, and the Bible confronts the church with our own injustices or our own uh, compromises, and, and it's an important thing to remember.
1: My guest is Trevin Wax. We've got another segment with Trevin talking about his book, The Thrill of Orthodoxy. This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. We will be right
0: back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat.
1: Trevin Wax is in Nashville, Tennessee. He's authored The Thrill of Orthodoxy, Rediscovering the Adventure of Christian Faith. Trevin, uh, your seventh topic is called Eternal Stakes, Epic Battle. Uh, what's going on here?
3: Well, in, in this part of the book, I want to, to push back against the idea that religion is all about just what one believes personally. It's some kind of private spirituality, and recognize that that the the, the Bible has pretty Strong warnings against believing the wrong thing, or or falling for falsehood, in some sort, and um, you know we can read those warnings in the New Testament, even the warnings coming from Jesus, and they just don't even hardly make sense to us because they're like, you know, why are they so worked up about false doctrine or, or teaching? You know what? A lot of times in our society, people think of doctrines or the Christian faith; they they, they kind of think of this the you know like what. Flavor of ice cream do you prefer? It's really more about values than it is truth and fact. But what we find in Scripture is that there is a there are strong warnings because there is a real sense of a of a battle that the stakes are very high in getting these things wrong. That there's eternal destiny at, at stake. And so, uh, uh, one of the the the, the points of, of of this part of the book is to say, if we're going to to really be faithful to Scripture, we have to recognize that this is. The, the, there are There are stakes in what it is we believe, what it is we believe about Jesus, how it is we live. Uh, the Bible takes us to the mountaintop and, and we almost get dizzy standing over the precipice, but the Bible do matter that there are eternal stakes involved in, in what it is that we we do with Jesus Christ and um I, and so I mean eternal stakes are involved in, in how we evangelize, how we share the gospel with others. And I, I think humans are, we're already, we're driven towards some kind of big adventure, you know, some kind of big battle that we're going to have, uh, um, that are, there's going to be uh, a big stakes with. And one of the unfortunate results when we lower the stakes of Christianity and we make it seem like it's really not all that important what, what it is we believe about Jesus, or it's not really all that important, as important as the, the Bible seems to imply with its warnings and whatnot, what we wind up doing is we, when we lower eternal stakes, we raise earthly stakes. And then all sorts of other things fill that void and become the most important thing. You know, um, for, for many, it's almost as if politics has become a religion for many in these days. So we're, we're going to find something that's going to drive us, some kind of epic battle to be part of. The question is, will it be the scriptural one? Will it be what the, what the scriptures teach about... Christianity and about our our place in the world.
1: Let's talk about <clears throat> the exhilarating vision. What's that mean, trevin
3: Well, as I'm I, you know there's a there's a, a sense in which orthodoxy isn't just about what you believe, it's also about how you live. And the the Bible it paints this picture of us moving in this journey toward Christlikeness. Becoming more and more like Jesus. It's like we're we're moving up a of a, a mountain, becoming more and more like the savior that we adore. And this image of an exhilarating vision or a hike is important because I think a lot of times people today have this, this vision of morality. It's almost as if, well, we sort of expect ourselves to fail and to not really do much, and we can't really expect anyone to live up to what Jesus said about all sorts of things, whether it be... You know, how we handle our possessions or um, our truth-telling or whether it be, you know, the, the very stark things Jesus had to say about marriage um, or sexuality and whatnot. We, we almost have this idea that a moral mediocrity is fine. We settle for moral mediocrity. Whereas the Bible gives us a picture of moral majesty, of us actually growing in our faith and becoming more, more and more like Jesus himself. And there's something exhilarating about that. Uh, you know, when you're, I, I, I compare it to, you know, a, a dad on the side of the soccer field when his son is, is playing the game. A lot of times I think we have this image of, when it comes to morality or, or spiritual growth, we have this image of, of a God who is basically indifferent, kind of sits on the sidelines, doesn't really care if we're growing or progressing or doing better. What what we have with, with, with the, the biblical God, though, is someone who is, Who's calling us? Calling something out of us? Calling us to greater heights? Calling us to to this more sense of moral majesty? That's that's beautiful. That's epic. That's that's a, that's a wonderful aspect of of what it means to for us to be human and then to be to be Christian. And so, you know, the, it, the dad on the sidelines is cheering for the son to take the shot. You know, even if he misses the shot, at least he's taking. You know, he he's calling something out of him. That's what that's what scripturally we see is that the the Bible is calling us to new heights and is telling us that the Spirit of God is there to help us us really live this way that Jesus is calling us to live. And that's more thrilling. That's more exhilarating than just settling for something that ultimately is not life-transforming.
1: Trevin Wax is our guest. The book, The Thrill of Orthodoxy. Uh, The beating heart, Trevin, uh, what are you writing there?
3: I want to connect people today to their roots, Christians to their roots. I think we're in a time where things are crazy. There's just so many different voices that are coming at us, so many different angles about so many different topics. I think it's important for us to gain some perspective and to, to to find our footing, so to speak. And I think the way that we do that is by grounding ourselves in history, connecting back to the the beating heart of orthodoxy that has been there for 2000 years that you know that we confess the same things believe the same things that Christians have always believed and have been faithful to proclaim so there's that sense of rootedness in history and at the same time there's a connection to believers all around the globe who confess this i you know i don't know about you but i there certainly i'm sure there are some listeners who who have probably been to other countries and may uh, have connected with Christians and believers in other places where the cultures are very different. Styles of worship are very different. The, 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 uh, you know, the, perhaps the, the level of material possessions are very different. Um, culturally, stylistically, all sorts of things would be very different. And then suddenly, you connect with people who have the same love for the same Jesus that you do, and you are in awe, stunned. That this beautiful Christian faith that you believe is also believed by people who live very differently than you do, that come from very different settings than you do. It truly is a global faith. And so this this aspect of the book, but the, the goal is to connect us, to remind us what the beating heart of orthodoxy is. And that we recognize it's not something that we, we, we just simply pull together for ourselves. It's something that when we say we believe in Jesus Christ as Lord, it, it connects us to millions of Christians who have gone before us and millions of Christians around the world today.
1: Now it's time to get to your final topic, the future of orthodoxy. What is it, Trevin?
3: Well, I think it's important for believers today to recognize that orthodoxy has stood the test of time, that the true Christian faith... You know there have been rivals here and there, and there have been all sorts of um, heresies that have arisen, and theological errors, and innovations, and even now there are people that say, you know, for the for the church to have a future, it's going to, have to change this or that. It's going to have to, you know, adapt its teaching on this or that and whatnot. And 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 my my goal with that final chapter is to say, you know, the future of Orthodoxy is going to still be grounded in Orthodoxy as it's been delivered to us, the the gospel once for all delivered to the saints. The future is not going to be forged by anyone who jumps on you know, the latest bandwagon, the latest fashion or fad that's out there, either theologically, morally, doctrinally, whatever it might be. The future is going to be forged by pilgrims who are wowed by the beauty of the Christian faith, who have had an encounter with God in the person of Jesus Christ, who are confident in the goodness and beauty and truth of Christianity, and who want to pass it down to the next generation. That is where the future is going to be. So, if, if we have to look at the, you know, at, at the next uh, hundred years, two hundred years of the church, you know, there are all sorts of doomsayers, and, and certainly there are lots of signs that we can mourn and be sad about when we look at the decline of the church in certain areas of the, the world and whatnot. But globally and historically, if we look at what's going to happen with the church in the next two hundred years, I think we've got to re- retain a sense of confidence that orthodoxy will endure and that the future of the church is going to depend on us recovering that thrill of orthodoxy, that thrill at essential Christian teaching and the difference it can make in our
1: lives. My guest has been Trevin Wax, uh, talking about his book, The Thrill of Orthodoxy. Thanks for joining us, folks. But remember, we've got to wrap up right here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. We'll be right back for The Wrap.
0: More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Well, thanks for joining us
1: here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, Steve Johnson was our guest in the first segment from uh, the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, talking about his book, God is Always With You, 31 Days of Hope and Healing for Grief and Loss. And then uh, Trevin Wax uh, joined us from Nashville, and uh, we got a full, full insight into his book, The Thrill of Orthodoxy, Rediscovering the Adventure of Christian Faith. And as I mentioned to you, uh, my latest book is out. It's called Every Day is Game Day. It's a 365-day devotional uh, for sports fans and beyond. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Go up to Amazon and uh, pick up a copy as well as these books as well. Uh, We're back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Stay tuned. All day long to AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Have a wonderful week ahead. We'll see you next weekend.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this time, where faith comes by hearing. The new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word.